right. Well. <laughs> Tony, Tony, no, come on, fuck, man. You got to get through the... We, I, we can't. We, you, you, get no. them all out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Is this thing on? Hey guys, you're listening to the Banner Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Delbane, and if you're listening to this, you may just be a bigger douchebag than the guy recording. Man, it's been such a long time since we made one of these, and I'm not really sure how to feel about it. Um, to put it mildly, there's been a lot of fucked up shit that's gone down since the 2019 NFL season ended, and it's been mostly all bullshit since Kobe bit the dust, quite frankly, but we're here now, we've made it, all the fantasy drafts are done, the COVID offseason is over with, we're already one game into the 2020 NFL season, and it did not fall short of expectations at all. So let's just jump right into this, because we're 45 seconds in, I know you morons only have the attention span of a five-year-old, so if you're still listening this far, I'm already on borrowed time. So last year when I fired this thing up, I didn't really know what I was doing, didn't know what to say, what to do. Um, I tried giving you five bets of mine that I'd place each week and I'd place those against the spread and give you my half-ass reasoning behind why I was leaning in that particular direction. Um, I must have went off the rails after week 13 because I fell off the wagon, completely stopped and missed bets and and didn't really keep pace with it. Um, But just to give you a recap on kind of how 2019 went, through 13 weeks and 70 bets that I placed against the spread, Your boy finished with a record of 39 and 31 with a few pushes in there as well. And that leads to a modest win percentage of 56%. I shit you not, if you would have followed my bets and placed the same wager for each bet, whether it's $10, $50, $100, whatever you would place, if you bet the same wager for every single bet, you'd have a return on investment of an ironic 6.9%. How fucking nice is that? God damn it, that's beautiful. Uh, But the moral of the story is clearly that if you want long-term stock market returns, but you want them in the short run, just follow this nine-leg parlay I'm about to drop on you. So like most people, I like to get drunk. And like some sports bettors who no longer need to go to a brick-and-mortar casino to go up to the the desk and place a bet, um, they can do so off of 10 different apps on their smartphone. I like to get drunk and place bets and then completely forget about them because I placed them at like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. So I clearly did this one night in uh, late August here um, as we were like starting to get closer and closer towards the season. And so when I looked at my FanDuel Sportsbook account, I saw that my dumbass hit a 19 parlay. Um, So if you know anything about me, you know that this is not uncommon and I'm good for about 40 of these throughout the season, most of which get killed after the Thursday night game, which is historically a shit show performance one way or the other. Um, so rather than giving you some lukewarm like takes on five different spreads like I did last year, I'm just riding with its nine leg motherfucker and I'm telling you why this puppy's hitting. So number one, uh, this game had already happened. It's Kansas City Chiefs minus nine at home versus the Houston Texans. I know it already happened. We don't need to sit on this. Um, but it was part of the nine-leg parlay that I had. So moving forward from here on out, we can take a look at um, an eight-leg parlay as we're all listening to this, probably before the week one Sunday game start um, as I'm recording this Friday night here. But 
Um, just to touch on Kansas City minus nine and a half, it was pretty easy stuff. They had covered that in the first half and then just completely poured it on um, in the second. Now the Texans did kind of score a little bit there late at the end, but um, it was an easy win there. Uh, you could tell Bill O'Brien just really wanted to win when they were down 17 points in the second half, and he's running on first down, he's running on second down, and finally throwing on third and long. Um, it's exactly, you know, really showing the world how bad you want to win with the second highest paid player in the NFL under center, but it is what it is. Um, nine and a half is a lot to lay in, in any game, but for the defending world champs on opening night at home with the Pitt Panther size crowd, it was a no brainer. Um, so moving right along to number two, I guess I like the Detroit Lions covering a two and a half point spread versus the Chicago Bears. Um, look, I, I hate that I made this pick, but you know, I picked it and I got to ride with it. And though the Lions defense looked like absolute dog shit last year with arguably the worst secondary, even with Darius Slay, they did draft Jeffrey Okuda and they are playing against the guy who was drafted over Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So we got to still like our chances here. Matt Stafford was QB4 in fantasy points last year before blowing his back out. He was on the verge of being in serious MVP discussion. So with a healthy QB and another year of cohesion with that offense, I'm fine with this. Uh, we just got reports that Kenny Galladay is probably going to be out for the for the first game here. He may be back. I think his role is doubtful right now. So um, I don't necessarily know how much that was, that sways me one way or the other. I know Chicago's cornerbacks have been um, dicey at best. They did sign the the illustrious uh, Artie Burns, and now he's done for the season. They um, drafted rookie cornerback Jalen Johnson out of Utah, and then they got a couple other guys back there that I'm not necessarily sold on here. So I, I think either way, the Lions are still going to be just fine. Um, you know, the one thing that really – I just got to say it. The one thing that pisses me off about this fucking Detroit Lions team is that dickhead Matt Patricia always has a number two pencil wedged in his ear at all times. And you know, homeboy isn't writing anything down. Like, what are you doing, man? You have all tablets. That Why do you have a number two pencil? It kills me. But uh, number two, we're going Lions minus two covering the spread against the Bears. Number three, we are going with Seattle Seahawks minus five at Atlanta against the Falcons. Now, this game could go either way. Um, but I do believe this is Russ's year. If there's ever a year for Russ to win the MVP, this is going to be it. And though Atlanta did get healthier on the defensive side, they got Keanu Neal back. They should have a healthy Deion Jones. I don't see their young corner sticking around with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for too long in this game. Kendall Sheffield's in year number two. I think Isaiah Oliver's their starting QB on the other end. They did just draft A.J. Terrell in the first round, but I think all of them are still going to be pretty raw. And, and as long as Russ is able to do what Russ does, they should be okay. Um, additionally, outside of Grady Jarrett, who is quietly the second best interior D lineman just behind Aaron Donald, um, I don't know what else the defensive line really has going on for them in the pass rush. So even if Russ typically – you know, plays behind a Make-A-Wish Foundation offensive line, and he's always scrambling for his life, they probably should do just fine here. They did bring in Carlos Hyde as a fill-in. They do have Chris Carson, who appears to be fully healthy after busting his hip in Week 16 last year. Um, So this game could really go either way, but, you know, at at less than two points, at minus one and a half, I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Falcons, even though they're traveling over to the East Coast here. Number four. Green Bay Packers go into Minnesota and they just smack that ass and cover the plus three and a half spread. Um, I don't really see how the Vikings are favored here. 
they didn't improve their team at all in the offseason. They lost three cornerbacks, all, all of the cornerbacks that got meaningful snaps. They traded away Stefan Diggs. They did get Justin Jefferson, at, I think, pick 25, but he's still probably going to be raw, He depending on how often they're playing um, in wide receiver th- or three wide receiver sets. He'll probably still get a high snap count, but they did just lose their offensive coordinator, right? So who knows what the offense is going to look like. Maybe that's already baked into the spread. Maybe there's something profound that uh, the common better, such as myself, doesn't have any knowledge of. But Green Bay went 13-3 and last year, and Minnesota got markedly worse. So while Green Bay didn't necessarily help themselves on offense, I still like this line, especially at three and a half. So um, it's over the key number of three. I really don't have anything else to say about the Packers other than they're going to win by 10. Number five, thought I was going to hate this pick. I still might hate this pick, but we got Cincinnati Bengals plus three and a half at home versus the former San Diego Superchargers, now the LA Chargers. Um, I'd hate this pick if Derwin James didn't get hurt, but he's hurt. He's out. That's a huge, huge loss for that Chargers defense that is still stout, that on paper, even without Derwin James, is still one of the best in the league. Um, But I've never really seen Tyrod Taylor show us that he can be trusted as a viable starting QB that will take you to the playoffs. It'll have some profound success throughout the season. And even though the Bengals defense could be the worst in the league, I'm starting to enjoy what the offense could become. So we're riding with Joe Burrow on this one. You know, the story behind the Bengals' worst place finish last year was how awful the uh, front line was for them. And and Andy Dalton, though, he's average at best. He really didn't have much time at all. Um, There was nothing to do with the, you know, the ground game. Joe Joe Mixon still had a a decent season going up against the stacked box every single time. Um, I saw that. There are some stats saying that on paper, Joe Mixon got the least amount of yards before contact, but you know that doesn't really say much when there's just pylons in front of him blocking for him. So while their offense, offensive line really hasn't like upgraded much, I don't think they brought in even in a single person. Um, they do get Jonah Williams back, who was their first round pick last year, um, to shore up on the left end. So that should be just fine. We have Joe Burrow, who's an instant upgrade over Andy Dalton. It's going to pay immediate dividends. And their offense looks fine. They drafted T. Higgins. They have a healthy, quote-unquote healthy, A.J. Green coming back. They have Tyler Boyd, who's just been such a productive receiver so far while he's been in the NFL here. So um, this may be um, a lopsided win in the Chargers' favor, and I might look like a dumb piece of fucking shit. But the bet we've took is Cincinnati plus 3.5 at home versus the Chargers, and that's what we're rolling with here. Number six. Arizona Cardinals plus seven and a half going on the road against San Francisco 49ers. I have no idea what to think about this Niners team. They should have won the Super Bowl and they didn't. They fucking blew it. And now I am betting against them in week one of the following season. But the reason is they have a zillion wide receivers on their offense and none of them are particularly top tier by any means. Rookie Brandon Ayuk is highly questionable to even play because of a nagging injury. I believe Debo Samuel is officially out for the game. And the rest could honestly be a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four uh, for most other teams. you got Richie James Jr., Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd. I think he's hurt again or, or he's going to be hurt because he's always hurt. Um, who do you, you have Kendrick Bourne out there. So you have guys that are okay, 
for my limited knowledge of what an okay receiver is, um, while never playing it down of, of, you know, productive football in my life. But um, Kyle Shanahan could obviously turn this thing around. He is an offensive wizard and, you know, it is what it is, but I like taking the points here. Um, on the other side with Cardinals, Kyler Murray's back. He's in year two. Nuke Hopkins just got a big major contract. He's the highest paid wide receiver in the history of life. Um, you know he's going to be coming out for blood this year because he just got dumped for the worst running back contract ever. Um, so the team was markedly better after trading for Kenyon Drake last year um, in the last later half of the season. So it's just going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. Cliff Kingsbury – I think is going to be just as good as Kyle Shanahan throughout the course of his career, as far as, you know, scheming up his players and making them successful. So it's exciting to watch. Um, this could go either way, but in this case, I really like seven and a half points over that key number of seven. So it may bite me, but that's a lot to lay. And, and I'm, I'm not looking to do that for the 49ers. So we're going the other way with Cardinals plus seven and a half. Number seven, Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half at the LA Rams. Look, I really like the Dallas roster, both on offense and on defense, but the biggest thing to watch here is how the offensive line is going to hold up against Aaron Donald. Um, I don't know if everybody remembers, but Travis Frederick did just retire this offseason, and if Aaron Donald primarily lines up over the middle as opposed to on the edge, this could completely impact how well the Dallas offense pushes the ball downfield, how well Zeke does, um, especially if he gets that penetration on early downs. It really forces the offensive hand. Um, to show what their plays are going to be for, you know, second, third, fourth down, things like that. So that could honestly be the the turning tide in the Rams' favor. I don't necessarily see it that way because I think this offense is going to be good enough and find other weapons through a poor secondary um, for the L.A. Rams here. Even though Jalen Ramsey just got the biggest contract in cornerback history, Rams are giving up money left and right. I still am going to take Dallas's offense over the Rams' defense. Um, flip it over, vice versa. Sean McVay is probably going to be running more two wide receiver sets and two tight end sets, it looks like. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I do know Tyler Higby was monstrous in fantasy over the last, I think it was four weeks of last year. Gerald Everett is still uh, a wide receiver lining up in the tight end spot. So who knows what kind of formations he's going to throw out. And hopefully the Cowboys defense is ready to see everything there, but they do have a, a you know, a backfield by committee there. They do have Cam Akers. Who knows how much he's going to touch it. It looks like it's probably going to be um, the other guys here running, running mostly with it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Dallas did just uh, update their entire D line there. Um, so this one, Again, another one that could go either way, especially with all the volatility that you have in week one. But I like Dallas, minus two and a half, just under a field goal here um, at the LA Rams. Number eight. We're almost there, guys, I promise. Tennessee Titans, plus one and a half at Denver. The Broncos offense is the shiny new toy that this offseason loves, which to me felt very similar to how it, it how the the narrative went for the Browns of last year's offseason. You know, they added KJ Hamler, they added Jerry Judy, they out, added Alberto um, to team him back up with Drew Locke from the Missouri days. Not to mention they signed Melvin Gordon to go with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the backfield. So sure it sounds great, but the Titans defense is still solid. And they added some guy named Jadavion Clown in this last week. So while he doesn't have a ton of reps with the team, bro, you just rush. Just get down and rush. So he's going to be just fine. We'll see how the, the Denver offensive tackles hold up. On the other end for Denver, they did just lose Vaughn Miller 
for the entire season. So that's a big time blow for them. They lost Chris Harris. They did bring in AJ Boye, but I think that's a downgrade from Chris Harris. So I'll gladly take some points here at plus one and a half and watch Derrick Henry go for a buck 50 on him. In number nine, last but certainly not least, we got to run with it. Pittsburgh. I got them at minus three and a half at the New York Giants. It's probably leaning more towards four. It might even go all the way up to four and a half, but I got them at minus three and a half at the Giants. Now, guys, I don't even need to go in on all of this at all. We already know TJ Watt is going to get a thousand sacks this weekend against a backup tackle and a rookie tackle and Andrew Thomas, their other tackle, Nate Solder. Um, he opted out of the year because of COVID-19. So Daniel Jones is going to be running for his life. Um, Seemingly fumbles every single game, multiple times. And our Lord and Savior, Big Ben Agesberger, is back under center. And you know he's just running his fingers over the top of Pouncey's ass like he's back in that Georgia dive bar bathroom. So it truly, truly couldn't get any sweeter. So um, those are my nine picks here. I'm going to run it right back for you so you get them all at once. Make sure you have a pen and paper down because it's going to get biblical here. We got Kansas City minus nine and a half. That's already retroactive. Number two. Detroit Lions, minus two and a half versus Chicago Bears. Number three, we have Seattle Seahawks, minus one and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. Number four, Green Bay Packers, plus three and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. Number five, Cincinnati Bengals, plus three and a half at home versus the LA Chargers. Number six, Arizona Cardinals, plus seven and a half on the road against the 49ers. Number seven, Dallas Cowboys, minus two and a half versus the L.A. Rams. Number eight, Tennessee Titans, plus one and a half at the Denver Broncos. And number nine, your Pittsburgh Steelers, minus three and a half against the New York football Giants. Guys, that's it. That's all I got. I think I talked for way too long here, but that's what we're rolling with week one. I may go one for nine, and I really hope it's not the case, but we're shooting nine for nine wins across the board. and We're going to make a lot of money. All right, pals, I appreciate you. Take care, stay safe, and get fucked. Oh, cut, 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 cut. cut, cut. Axe, axe, axe. No, you got to keep it together, dude. Otherwise, I'm going to lose it. Cut.